You're listening to a Sin Media podcast. Previously heard live on Sin 90.7. You're listening to the weekly wrap on Sin 90.7. And now for your news headlines. A woman who has admitted to fleeing the scene after her car crashed into a 13-year-old bike rider is soon to face punishment from a Melbourne court. The 42-year-old woman pleaded guilty to failing to stop and render assistance after the accident on November 5 last year. The young girl was not wearing a helmet and was placed in an induced coma after the accident with life-threatening internal injuries. A cat burglar who broke into the homes of many people and stole their valuables, including a watch valued at 60000 is due to be sentenced in Melbourne. The 54-year-old man has pleaded guilty to four burglaries at homes in Melbourne's east over several years, sometimes wearing a black wig during the process. Aretha Franklin, the Queen of Soul, has died at age 76. The singer was was diagnosed with advanced pancreatic cancer for some time and the icon passed away in her family home. Former President Barack Obama has tweeted a tribute to the singer, saying the singer helped to define the American existence. A man has been charged with murder of a man who went missing for more than 17 years. His body was found in a wheelie bin last month. Victorian police and Queensland detectives arrested the 62-year-old man at a Sunshine Coast home on Thursday morning. He will appear in Maroochydore Magistrates Court on Friday for an extradition hearing. Two Australians are in possession of Powerball tickets worth $50 million after the largest Division I lottery prize pool in Australian history was shared by them. The tickets successfully had all eight numbers in the $100 million Powerball draw, but Powerball officials have been unable to contact the winning owners after their website crashed moments before the draw. And two pilots were taken to hospital for precautionary checks after making an emergency landing at Canberra Airport on Thursday morning. Emergency services were called to the airport at 11.46 on Wednesday after a sudden loss of pressure in the aircraft. Firefighters and paramedics were on standby at the airport when the plane is understood to have landed safely just after midnight and the pilot and co-pilot had precautionary checks at Canberra Hospital. Justin Bieber has a new baby sister. His father Jeremy and new wife Chelsea gave birth on Thursday to a baby girl named Bay Bieber. A doctor who worked as a physician to Queen Elizabeth has been killed after colliding with a truck as he cycled through central London. The 67-year-old man was riding through the High Holborn area on Wednesday morning when the collision occurred. Police said he died at the scene. And Greece co-stars John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John reunited on Wednesday for the first time in years to celebrate the 40th anniversary of their iconic musical, Grease. And singer Britney Spears has been ordered to pay her ex-husband, Kevin Federline, $110,000 in their ongoing child support battle. In Melbourne, the weather is 17 degrees with winds of up to 21 kilometres per hour. And now for our foreign news. Thanks, Bethany. Donald Trump has revoked the security clearance of former CIA director John Brennan, claiming he used access to sow division and chaos. Brennan, who has been a strong critic of President Trump, tweeted that the move is part of a broader effort by Mr Trump to to suppress freedom of speech and punish critics. Loved ones have paid tribute to the victims of the Mirandi Bridge collapse in Genoa as authorities released the names of 21 victims. 
at least 39 people were killed when a segment of the bridge spanning across a major Italian highway collapsed during a sudden violent storm. Authorities are working to determine the cause of the collapse. A forgotten section of the Berlin Wall has been discovered by a local official. The remnant was immediately granted protected status. And that's all for foreign affairs. Now for sport. Former NRL player John Hopoate has been banned from any involvement in rugby league for 10 years following a fight in a manly A-grade match last month. The 44-year-old, who is the NRL's most banned player of all time, claims the fight was sparked by racist comments. The Brisbane Broncos have kept their final hopes alive with a 20-point win over South Sydney last night. And tonight's clash between Richmond and Essendon will also have a special message with Basha Hooley and Adam Saad set to join their captains in the middle of the ground before the match to celebrate diversity in the game. And to soccer where Football Federation Australia chairman Stephen Lowe is reportedly not planning to continue in his role come November as he is tired of political fighting according to the ABC. The FFA board is currently fighting against changes which would give A-League club owners more say in the organisation. And that's all for sport. Now guys, it's time for one of my favourite moments of the week. It's the time where I get educated about politics and Sarah's going to help me do that. So Sarah, what's been making news in the political world? So Bethany, this week the National Energy Guarantee has been creating a lot of talk in both federal and state parliament. What is the National Energy Guarantee? So the National Energy Guarantee, NEG for short, is the (laughs) federal government's proposed energy policy for Australia. So under this policy, providers will have to reduce their emissions by, at the moment, it's looking like 26%, but that's based on reductions from 2005 levels Uh um, and these reductions will have to take place by 2030 and the second requirement is that energy suppliers must be able to provide a minimum amount of energy at all times. And why is our energy policy changing? So a lot has changed since 1998 and that's when our national electricity market was designed. In the past decade, household electricity prices have increased by over 200% and emissions have become a greater issue the more we learn about the consequences of climate change. Reliability has also been a huge point of debate ever since South Australia suffered its infamous statewide blackout in 2016. The NAIC is an attempt to fix all these issues and create an energy market that is cheaper, cleaner and more reliable. So why has the NEG been in the news this week? So in politics, nothing is ever easy and the government needs to get quite a few people on its side if it wants to make the NEG a reality, including some of their own people. This week, it's been in the news because the energy market isn't just a federal government issue. This means Malcolm Turnbull needs all of the states and territories to support this policy. He somewhat got that last Friday when the states agreed to let the proposal move to the next stage. This means they'll allow the release of a draft bill in state parliament to pave the way for the scheme. But they still haven't made any firm decisions and several states, including Victoria, have issues with aspects of the proposal. So really, they've just delayed making a decision. And who else did the government try to get on their side this week? So opposition to the NEG hasn't been from just outside the party. Not everybody within the coalition actually supports the bill, with the most prominent critic, our former Prime Minister Tony Abbott. 
However, it was good news for Malcolm Turnbull earlier this week with the Coalition Party Room approving the proposal. This means that the legislation relating to the admissions reductions can now be brought to Parliament. Wait, so it hasn't been voted on in Parliament yet? Correct. It's quite a drawn-out process. It could not be brought to Parliament until Malcolm Turnbull and Energy Minister Josh Frydenberg had the support of the states and their own party. Now they have the task of getting Labor's support. Really, politics is all about getting people to agree with you. And given some Conservative MPs within the coalition do not support the proposal and crossbenchers are unlikely to, the government needs Labor to vote in favour. Will Labor vote in favour? I'd have to be psychic to know the answer to that. (laughs) Labor hasn't said yet if they'll support the legislation or vote against it, but we do know that they aren't happy with the 26% emissions target. Labor wants to reduce 2005's level of emissions by 45% by 2030. So just like South Australia's electricity grid in 2016, nobody knows what could happen next. That was very well put, Sarah. Now we're kind of going to have a bit of a change of tone and we've got something uh, a bit more serious to talk about. Definitely serious. So for those of you who have been following the news this week, you probably would have heard the name Senator Fraser Annan coming up Mm -hmm. in the news. But for those of you who maybe uh, not heard what's going on, I'll give a little bit of a backstory and then kind of talk about why basically what's happened is just so wrong, really. So, Senator Fraser Anning, he's a senator, obviously, Mm -hmm. and he had his first speech in Parliament. Uh, Generally, first speeches aren't that exciting. No, it's the first one. They're just kind of a bit of a formality, I guess, Mm -hmm. just kind of a welcome to Parliament, be able to kind of, you know, acknowledge all your colleagues. Generally, they're not a platform for big announcements as a general rule. definitely not in the first, I would say. Um, Fraser Anning went very much the opposite way. And he argued that all Muslims should be banned from migrating to Australia. And then this is where it got really, really bad. He said that there should be a national vote to decide on this issue of migration and to decide on who we would allow to enter Australia, which is essentially back to the white Australia policy that was the hallmark of our immigration policy throughout the the 1900s and is really something that we should be ashamed of exactly the idea that we were quite literally letting people into the country who we deemed to be white enough for yeah, us. Exactly. It's a policy that started a lot of our issues. So it kind of seems funny that he's suggesting like yeah. a back step. And the issue with, well, the other issue, I guess there's lots of issues with what he said, <laughs> but the main issue is that when he was uh, introducing this policy of having the national vote on who can enter Australia and whether we should ban Muslims, he called this the final solution. For those of you who don't know, the final solution is a term from the Nazis. Yes. It is the term that the Nazis used to describe what we now call the Holocaust. Yes. It was how they described their planned mass murder of over 6 million Jews mm-hmm. and to use that term, to use the final solution at a first speech in the, parliament to describe a banning Muslim migration, to describe having a vote on whether we should ban Muslim migration mm-hmm. is so wrong on so many levels. 
and it's so dangerous, especially because I think it was until the 1970s that the phrase final solution was still used by Western historians more than Holocaust. Yeah, so they were, that's kind of to demonstrate the fact that it really is a well-known phrase. It like is. that's how, it's a Nazi term. It is, it very it much is. It was used, it's what, it, it's interchangeable with the Holocaust in a sense. Yep. And especially when he wasn't just talking about any policy. Like, if he'd been talking about a policy that was nothing to do mm-hmm. with race, nothing to Completely do with religion, a policy on healthcare or education, mm-hmm. roads, whatever, and he used this term, maybe we would be like, been okay, okay, that's an accident. Yes. But to use a term that describes the targeted slaughter of six million people based on their religion and their race, mm-hmm. when you are talking about banning... Uh, certain groups of people based on their religion and race from entering the country. Yeah. That is just so wrong. It is so offensive. I think um, it was pretty much summed up by the chairman of the Anti-Defamation Commission. He's an expert on Jewish culture. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Uh, Devere Abramovic. Um, mm-hmm. He was quoted by the ABC as saying that the speech is a historical trivialization of the worst kind imaginable. Yeah, Mr. Anning is entitled to his views, but he discredits himself and his argument by irresponsibly referencing an evil plan that led to the calculated murder of six million Jews and millions of others in the Holocaust. I think that pretty much sums I it up. I think that sums it up completely. And I think whether I'm, I obviously don't know if he meant he's come out and said that people are, you know, are free to take it out of context, mm-hmm. but he didn't mean that, that he context. Didn't know, yeah. But whether or not he knew what the term final solution meant, I'm not going to enter into that debate because I frankly can't know. I don't know that. Yep. There is no way of me knowing for sure. But let's, you know, I'm going to have a bit of faith in humanity. Mm-hmm. Let's say that he didn't know because, and I guess I would find it quite saddening to think that someone could know what that term means and then use it in a speech like that. Let's, that would be a horrible thought. Let's, you know, have a little bit of faith in humanity, yep. say he didn't know what it meant and it was just a really terrible Poor. terrible misuse of words yep he still should have apologized he's refusing to apologize exactly which i think is disgraceful because even if he didn't know he now knows and something like that warrants an apology exactly we are not talking about a term that's you know oh it's a little bit offensive where you stand on the politically correct debate yeah whether you think that you know we've gone pc crazy or whether you think that politically correct is right because you think that there's the terms that fall under as not being politically correct are really offensive. Yeah. Wherever you stand on that debate, nobody would say that the term, not using the term final solution is an example of PC culture going too far. This is the term that was used to describe the Holocaust and to accidentally, if it was an accident, to accidentally refer to it in a speech, you should a hundred percent apologize. Like, I feel like that's a basic human reaction. You bump into someone on the street it was an accident you apologize even exactly. if it wasn't an accident apologizing doesn't mean saying that you did it on purpose mm-hmm. but it's acknowledging that you've done something that's hurtful and i think the only good thing to come out of this is that there has been a strong response on both sides of politics mm-hmm. and it's been strongly condemned so i will say that it has been nice to see bipartisan support in condemning these words and saying that australia these are and un-Australian values. Yes. We don't embrace this. This is not what we're about. And how often do you get bipartisan support? Exactly, exactly. So for anyone out there listening, I just think it's really important that we just remember that these words aren't what we want to define ourselves. Us as a country, these aren't words that we want our representatives using because 
the, just uh, the Holocaust is just so terrible, and I don't think anybody should exactly. be using terminology. Exactly. Whether you mean it. it to or not, think about your words. Exactly. <laughs> And you're listening to The Weekly Wrap on Sin 90.7 with Sarah and Bethany. And now for one of possibly the best segments ever. I'm so excited for this. Guys, we're doing a bachelor sweep. I know, I know. It's happening in all offices around the country. So we had to get in on it. Definitely. Do our own little one. A little bit different in that there's only three of us. Normally, Mm -hmm. Celine would be with us. But unfortunately, she can't be here today. Mm -hmm. But we'll still pick some contestants out. She'll still be in the suite. Don't you worry, Celine. We would never exclude someone from a bachelor suite. I mean, that's actual goals. We want to see who's going to win Nick Cummins' heart. We'll we'll probably monitor this throughout throughout the season. Oh, definitely. I reckon I'll be like checking every day for spoilers. Yeah, this, this might become a weekly segment. So... It's time. Bethany's got to bring out. Well, we don't have a hat. We, we have, have a pencil, pencil case. case. You know, you got it. You got to So, Bethany, you go first. Oh my god, Pull I'm so excited. You're like seven to eight people, I think. Seven it's like to eight. Wow. Girls. That's a lot of chances to win. Exactly. We need to win. Okay, let me see how many I have. And one, now two. I'll reach out and get some of mine. Just need one more. Oh, one more. Okay, grab another one. Thank you. So, oh who my are goodness. you hoping for? Well. I feel like we're both hoping for someone here. Could that be someone be called Brooke? Yes. I oh. love her. Absolutely. I wanted to win. Me too. She's and so I think lovely. she's got a good chance. I mean, I've done a little bit of internet research. And oh, a bit of internet I research? I think she has a good chance. Okay, so then we've left some for Celine. Yes. Okay, okay I'm going to read Moment out of mine. Truth. So what did excited. you get? Okay, so I have Ashley. Ashley? I don't remember who she is. <laughs> <laughs> Let well, me look at her photo. Let me look at her photo. We've got little photos. Very nice, I, I very nice. I'm sorry, Ashley. Apologies. Yeah, actually, to be honest, I don't remember either, but look, I'm still hoping for Brooke, so fingers okay. crossed. So next I have Brittany. Brittany. Oh, wait, is it Brittany who... She's got the... When I last looked on... When, when was the first episode? Wednesday, Wednesday night. night. She's got the um, best odds, like betting wise. Oh, yes, She's love the favourite. Next I have Rhiannon. I was actually looking at her bio before, so I'm quite happy I have her. Oh, nice. Then I have Christina. Oh, uh, yeah. Christina, yep. yes. Christina, she's the blonde. Um, I think my chances of getting Brooke are getting slimmer or by the I have about three left. All right, Next, read them out. I have Sophie. I like Sophie. Me too. And she's really pretty. I mean, they're all beautiful. Know, made, like, she's so pretty, it makes you sad. <laughs> <laughs> actually, and next I have Alexandra. Ooh. And my last one is Tennille. So, no Brooke for me, but I'm hoping one of these beauties is the winner. Okay. Get eternal glory. Time for my big reveal. Okay. I'm so, so first up, I have, I have Cass. Ooh. So, she's the girl who knew Nick. Oh, so yes. I remember that. Yes. She was in the limo and she was like, ooh. Can you imagine that? I always wonder. I'm like, is that set up by the producers? Like, what would happen How could it be a genuine situation? coincidence? Because, like, she's saying she didn't. No, like, I think she didn't know from looking oh, no. at but I'm not from, sure. From observation, it looked like she really didn't know he was going to be the Like, bachelor. she seemed quite shocked. Yes. But then I'm like, what are the chances? Like, are the producers... Are they behind this Like, manipulating this? I need answers. We need Channel answers. Channel 10, hit me up. I need to know. Tweet us at Weekly Rap S-Y-N. Yes, <laughs> please do. And then I have Blair... I don't Ooh. think she's got too much screen. I haven't seen her really interact I'm with I'm just going to be yet. honest here. I haven't really seen much of her. So she could be a dark horse. Yes, she we definitely don't know. could be. I have Dasha. Ooh, yes. She certainly made an impression <laughs> on Nick Ooh, on yes. the red carpet. He seemed uh, quite taken by her. So I'm quite happy with that pick. And then oh. I have Kayla Teo. She is the 
energy healer. Ooh. He's got a strong spiritual side. I'm not going to lie, just before the show, guys, Sarah had to educate me on what an energy healer was. <laughs> I actually thought it was something to do with people who go into the mines <laughs> and sort of like energy production, energy renewal, but turns out I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, so just to clarify, not to do with mining. I no. think it's more to do with like kind of spiritual well-being. Yeah, I don't entirely know well-being. myself. Then I have Vanessa, Ooh, Vanessa Sunshine. Vanessa Sunshine. And I got oh, broke! As if. I'm so oh, jealous. I love my life. That's amazing. This is, the, this is the highlight of my day. Oh my good. Good so, job. And then I also have Kat. Lovely. So, you got a good selection there. I did. I got Brooke and Dasha. I'm pretty happy. You're so doing nicely. Celine, okay. if you're listening, Celine, this is who you got. These are your girls. So you have Emily. And you have Shannon. You also have Alicia, Romy, Kayla G. I think there's two Kaylas, and Steph. Ooh. Ooh. Could be a couple of dark horses in there. So who would we say out of Celine? Who do we think is the most likely to win? Oh, do you mean out of her bunch or out of any of us? Out of Celine's bunch. Who's I reckon Steph. Can I have a look at... Oh, is she the... Um, She's quite young. She's the children's entertainer. Yeah, the child's entertainer. I haven't seen much of her on screen, like, interactions me with neither, me. but that could be a ploy by producers. Exactly, because that's what I was thinking, because, like, Brooke has kind of emerged as a front runner. She has. In that she got the uh, the key to the bachelor oh, yes. pad. It wasn't the double delight rose this year. No. I was hanging out for it. I think, I think the keys are even a little bit more exciting. Definitely. But we do know from previous seasons that the producers do like to edit it so that you uh-huh. they show more screen time of the, the girl who generally comes kind of second who's or definitely third. definitely in the so mix, that but it's not, not the obvious winner. Winning. I mean, we exactly. saw that. I mean, the reaction... When our uh, Nikki lost in Richie's oh season. Oh my god, I'm actually still emotional over I that. Know. I, can I just say? Which, oh, it broke my heart. Oh, same. I have a bad habit of picking the wrong person every time. You I reckon, do. I reckon I come second every year, and like part of me actually dies in that moment. You get so invested in the relationship. Absolutely. Like, oh my goodness. Can I just ask her? Oh, Maddie J was the Bachelor last year. I was yeah. going to say, who did you want to win out of Elise and Laura? They're I both, both. I love them both. They were both like they both were just really lovely girls. Yes. I feel really mean saying this. Probably a lead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like Laura, Laura's gorgeous. Well. Like they're both really beautiful. Yeah, I feel like he couldn't like do no wrong there. Yeah. But like either way, your heart breaks for these. I people. know. It's yeah. Whether the person you want to or not, like wins. It's just horrible to watch, and it just does make me wonder how people sign up for these shows, which I we will know. be talking about next. I can't so wait for that. Don't go anywhere. We're having an awesome discussion on The Bachelor. In case you haven't picked up on it, we are quite big, big fans. fans. to say the least. And that kind of opens up the discussion to reality dating and why would you go on? Exactly. Like, I just... I don't know how they have the courage to do Good it. Good on them, so, first of all. Exactly. You courageous yeah, like, ladies. Go for what you want. Do what you want with your life. Yeah, if you've got the courage to go out and do it, all power to you. Mm-hmm. So, Beth, wanted to ask you, would you rather Ooh. be... I already love a, this game. <laughs> <laughs> would you rather be a contestant on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette? I'm actually so torn about this. I need an answer. No fence sitting. Okay. I'm going <laughs> to say I'd rather be The Bachelorette just Ooh. because I feel like... You'll have, maybe you'll have more chance of happiness. Like you have all these amazing guys. You're kind of in that position of power. So 
in effect, you're the one that gets to like choose the outcome. Whereas I feel like The Bachelor, it's very much something that happens to you. Like Yes, that's very true. Like you like, you know, he likes you or he doesn't. You're almost convincing me to change my mind, but I'm still going to stick with, I would rather be a contestant. Really? Because, okay, so as much as I would hate, I would not like having to share my man. <laughs> <laughs> not, not about that. Not about that. Um, would, would, you know, wouldn't appreciate him going on dates with no. other girls. No. Um, but I could not be the bachelorette for the sole reason that anybody who knows me <laughs> knows that I am a... A little indecisive. <laughs> just a little. Just a little. Just a little. Um, no, we I have, have a, a couple of struggles on where problem. we should eat, um, you know. <laughs> when, I, when I was in year 10, I cried at the stress of choosing electives. Wow. Um, it was like, you know, do you want to do jewellery design or fashion? Or fashion? <laughs> and I was like, it's Big too stressful. Questions. I can't make a decision. So having to make you know a what? really like important, significant, potentially life-altering decision like that. Sarah, every I'm week just... I feel like I come in with one opinion and you like show me the logic and I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Because now you say that, like one, I also hate decision making, probably not to that extent, but like, <laughs> oh, and two, I'm a big believer in fate sort of thing. Yeah. Whereas, oh, I would kind of like, you know, if it's right, like it's it to be happens. organic. Yeah, true, and true. Yeah. Is, you know, is The Bachelorette not so organic? That's a good point. What if you had the pick of any reality dating? Oh. So, what one would you go on? Well, first of all, I wouldn't really love to go on any. <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon I'd do a bachelor. Like, married at first sight is too much for me. It's like, so full on. I, like, even just thinking about it, I'm scared. Like, I have commitment Living issues. With the <laughs> Literally, I'm like, oh, I'm getting the 814 train. And then I'm like, no, but, like, is the 832 better? <laughs> can you imagine me on that show? <laughs> I just want you to go on the show so I can be the bridesmaid and Aww. then grill them. Because you know how they always yes. have the part of the show where, like, the bridesmaids, like, the sister comes in and they oh, just yes. grill the guy? I would love that. Too. You know, I would love to go on because I really would love to wear a wedding dress. Yes, true. You've got to take all the opportunities you can get. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Sarah? Oh, see, personally, mm-hmm. um, would rather... None of them. <laughs> none of them. Um being on television is like probably my worst nightmare. I'm on it given I'm studying journalism. <laughs> but um, yeah, I could not handle being on a reality dating show. But if, you know, if I absolutely had to, gun yep. to my head, I, yep. would, I don't know which one. Oh, probably, probably first date. Good because one. Because you're only on for a little bit. But if it, we were talking about kind of the more full on ones where it kind of follows you for the whole time, mm-hmm. which I guess you've got like Love Island. Um, married yeah. at first sight and then the bachelor yep. ones quite long stints i couldn't do love island no too full on too um, full on yeah i would definitely also i just don't I, think I my like personality suits that environment like. yeah i don't i don't think i would um i just don't think i i feel like i would be boring and i'd just get like booted off no first episode. no um, they do love the drama on there yeah though. yeah but i think i much more prefer to like observe the drama than yep. be in it mm-hmm. um and i yeah like you yeah, i don't think i could do Married at first sight. No. So I think I'd have to, have to be a little uh, bachelor. Oh Sarah, imagine us. Imagine if in 10 years we go on The Bachelor. Oh, I hope not. Me too. Let's make a pact to stop that from happening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, for sure. I love it. Now, uh, <laughs> we probably should stop talking about The Bachelor. We could we talk about it forever. We could, we could have this whole radio show about The Bachelor. I mean, it is a possibility. You know I'm, not, I'm not objecting to I'm that not, not objecting to it, but... <laughs> 
in the name of continuing on with the weekly wrap being Uh a wrap up of all the things that have been happening this week we should probably move on to other topics so next up we're going to be talking about the release of the film crazy rich asians and how it's shaking up hollywood and we're going to be talking about the new film crazy rich asians which Uh has been released this week yes Um, this week in australia we're pretty sure and its release has like started this you know uh, a conversation i guess about the lack of diversity in Hollywood because this uh, Crazy Rich Asians, in case you couldn't tell from the title, <laughs> um, is a film with a majority Asian cast. Yes. And shockingly, this is the first film to have a majority Asian cast since the 1993 film Joy Luck Club. I mean, we've gone wow. like, what, 25, 25 years? years? Yeah, my maths is a <laughs> bit of a struggle there. Yeah, no, 25 years. Whoa, Since an then, Asian majority film. Yeah, and then before that, wasn't it 1961's Flower Drum Song? Exactly. So you're looking at like a film with an Asian majority cast every like 25 to 30 years. My goodness, if you think of someone who's 25 years old today, it's been that long amount of yeah, time. Yeah, so essentially they've grown up, they've had a childhood. Yes. I've never, like someone who, like someone who's Asian would have had mm-hmm. a childhood where they've never seen themselves. On know, screen. On screen, where on like screen. they're playing a majority role. And I just think when you just... If you were to take a step back and just mm-hmm. look at diversity as a whole in Hollywood, yep. it's absolutely shocking. So really I found is. some statistics that mm-hmm. I'm going to read to you and get your reaction. So Give them these to are me. these are credible statistics yep. from a study from UCLA, and yep. they examined the top 200 movies in 2016 and 1,251 broadcast cable and digital TV shows from the 2015 to 2016 season. So this is a study by Ralph the Ralph J. Bunchy Center for mm-hmm. African American Studies. Yeah. So this is a pretty reliable source. And I just want to hear your response to these statistics. Okay. So top 200 movies in 2016, women were 31.2% of leads. Outraged. Last Actually, time I checked, women made outraged. up 51% of the population. But exactly. Uh, more than half. Mm, uh, people of color, mm-hmm. 13.9% of film leads. That's ridiculous. Sorry, uh, I'm angry. <laughs> with uh, Caucasian people dominated film roles at 78.1%. I think that's really interesting and shockingly, it's not actually surprising to no, me. No, it's that not surprising at all surprise because, me. I mean, when you go to the cinema, this is what you see. And particularly in Hollywood films, I feel like Hollywood has this trend of having... It has the stereotypes as their cast. You know, they have white leads. They have predominantly, by these stats, predominantly white male leads. Exactly. And it's just it's just frustrating because there are so many great stories out there. And this isn't at all criticising no, white males. That's I not love what it cinema is. and I love what they've done so far. But It isn't criticising them at all, but it's simply saying that they're getting more than their fair share of roles. Yeah. And if we want to have... I mean, the whole point of art, the whole point of film yeah. is... To be entertained, but also to kind of see something about your own life and to yeah, connect. Yeah, see it represented How on screen. How can you connect to an audience when 78% of your film roles are going to Caucasian people? Exactly. And we have such a diverse world. Like, particularly exactly. we're in Melbourne, it's such a diverse place. Exactly. We're not seeing diversity on the screen. Exactly. I think all it is is about seeing people's realities on screens. People deserve to have their stories told. Exactly. I like. Why should I, as a white person, why should my story be given more weight in Hollywood? Yeah. Why should it mean a person of color or somebody? I mean, the statistics for um the percentage of 
Asians who have film who got film roles in 2016 is even worth 3.1 percent. 3.1 percent. So that's why this film is so shocking. It and is really, so necessary. I wish we weren't having this conversation. I wish that releasing a film with a majority Asian cast it was no anything? different yeah. to releasing a film with a majority white cast, which is what happens every day. Every day. Every day you go to the cinema and you see the trailers. How many of them do you see advertising a film with exactly. a predominantly, you know, a predominantly diverse cast, an Asian cast? You just don't see it. Exactly. So I just really think that... It's really time, like, especially there is definitely a cultural shift happening at the moment. We're seeing the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. which has been horrible in terms of the stories of co- that have come out. But it's been really yeah. uplifting in that, you know, hopefully maybe we'll see a bit of change in power. And certainly we are seeing yeah. uh, people, like vulnerable people who have had their voices silenced. They're finally getting those voices back. So while we're having this cultural shift there, it would also be really great if we could have a cultural shift in terms in of cinema. having voices on screen that at the moment just aren't there and, and they deserve need to, be, to there. be there because everybody's story, nobody's story is more important because of the colour of their skin. I think you summed that Everybody up brilliantly. deserves to be able to go to the cinema and see somebody who looks like them at the end of the day. I think that's what it's all nailed about. Nailed it. Absolutely nailed <laughs> so it. So hopefully we will be able to see a bit of that. And a bit more than 25 years. Yeah. So, a huge congratulations to the producers behind mm-hmm. Crazy Rich, a- and the Crazy Rich Asians yep. and the cast. Um, from what I've read, it's actually been a smash hit in I'm, the box I'm office. I'm so excited. I'm going to Which go is see really it. good because as much as we would love Hollywood to kind of do things because it's the moral, <laughs> you know, the morally right thing to do, yep. Hollywood responds to money. So, the fact that mm-hmm. this is making money hopefully means Such that we'll start to success. see more diverse films. And now for something a little bit exciting. I know I'm very excited about it. We're going to shake up our surviving next week and we're going to look at horoscopes. And basically we're going to find out, instead of asking how will we survive next week, are we going will to? Will we? Oh, I love it so much. So Bethany, give it to me. Am I going to survive next week? So Sarah's a Libra, for those of you who don't know, and I'm going to read her horoscope. So it, where have we got these horoscopes so from? So these are from Elle magazine, so okay. thank you Elle. Now here it is. Take heart Libra. Managing people and their many moving parts will get easier soon. You just have to make it till Sunday when data-driven Mercury pivots back forward to motion. Okay, I'm kind of like low-key freaked out that it's just said data-driven because we just we had a data assignment submitted it like you two hours ago. You just have to make ago. it till Sunday soon. If you can hold off on any organising until next week, you'll be much happier. But if an upcoming plan demands project management, make sure you're using the best tools possible. For example, how about using a teamwork messaging software solution like Slack instead of a mind-boggling group text? We currently use Slack. Okay, so I've never believed in horoscopes. This is starting to freak me out a little bit. We were using Slack today in class. Goodness. And then it says, of course, none of this will matter if you're dealing with a frustratingly rebellious personality type (laughs) who refuses to follow protocol and keeps springing surprises on you. There we go. So, am I going to survive my next week? I would say so. It says you just have to make it through till Sunday. And okay. And then you're all so good, So, if I frankly. make it through till Sunday, you'll hear my voice next <laughs> week. Now, Bethany. Mm-hmm. Bethany's a Capricorn. Yes. So, Bethany, although you aren't one to burden people with your troubles, oh. you tend to hold a lot in 
too much, in fact, and with messenger Mercury in a repressive retrograde. Oh, repressive retrograde. The vault may be getting super full. Oh my goodness. I don't know what Mercury in retrograde means, to be Me honest, neither. but I always see it in memes yes, that say it's a bad thing and mm-hmm. like you get away with you can like you can do crazy stuff <laughs> because Mercury is in retrograde. retrograde. <laughs> yep. So um I might avoid you till that might be July twenty six. Yeah, that might be smart. Um, oh no, since July. I was going to say, it's already been July 26. <laughs> it's um, Until Sunday is oh, when I Sunday. have to avoid you. So, um, so like, you just have to make it through till Sunday and then when it gets to Sunday, you have to avoid me. No, no, no. I've got to avoid you, avoid you from now until Sunday. Oh, and then on Sunday, perfect. Um, you will no longer have Mercury in a repressive retrograde. That and, sounds um, lovely, quite frankly. I'll resume being your friend. But until wow. then... Saturday's off limits, quite Saturday's frankly. Saturday's off limits, frankly. <laughs> Um, oh, also, careful not to start spilling tea with new friends ooh. just because everyone else is carping about the people in your life. Do you have new friends? I didn't know about this. I don't really think so. I mean, hit us up on Weekly Rap SYN on Twitter <laughs> and you want to be my friend. Are we finding, we're finding, finding friends for you? <laughs> hey, actually, I'm not opposed to that idea at S- all. Send us in your friendship profiles. Yeah, definitely. I'll reject them all. We can... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Um, also what else? Oh, okay. So this weekend, your first order of business is to pour over the cultural guides, then move to travel blogs. So it looks like you are going to survive next week because oh. you're going to be doing some traveling. Oh, um, I would love that so much. December 2nd. No, it began December 2nd. Oh, You right. were lured out of your comfort zone and now it's time to make the most of it Can I just and travel. Say, this yep. sounds freakishly accurate. Like, I'm kind of scared. Why? And, like, <laughs> even when it said slack for you. That was a little bit scary. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. And then um, and then the mention of data-driven. Yeah. We've just had our data We're assignments. Just, exactly. I never want what to deal with odds? data again. Our magazine. <laughs> Amazing. Hitting it on the head, I think. Quite frankly. So, um... Well, you've heard it. You heard it here first. We will survive this week. Hopefully. So fingers crossed. Touch wood. We will be back <laughs> next week. Can't wait. If you can't get enough of the weekly wrap, please mm-hmm. like us on all our socials. Just got to do a little plug little there. Little plug. Facebook, Twitter, Insta. You, you know the drill. You um, And of course, if you missed any of this episode or you want to listen to mm-hmm. some old ones, please check us out. You, ha- We have our podcast there. Uh, you can listen to them on the website that's syn.org.au and when you go on there you'll see the latest episodes Mm -hmm. uploaded there and you can get your weekly wraps fix because quite frankly that's a necessary fix (laughs) absolutely but until then i believe that's the end of the show so we will be back next week same time same time as always see you then Mm -hmm.